Welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. I'm your host Deepak Sharma and on this podcast I learn how to level up in all areas of life from people much smarter than me. You see, I'm obsessed with the idea that we should be striving to realize our potential and maximize fulfillment with the one life that we have. Let's not overcomplicate it because it's not that deep. This week, I chat with someone who makes me feel lazy, and that's Laura Kelly. Laura is a professional wedding and engagement photographer, a business coach, a copywriting and messaging pro, as well as the host of the You Might Not Like It podcast. But that's not all. Laura is also the mother of two kindergartners. Laura is extremely self-aware, as you'll get to know. Uh, we get to talking about her journey and identity as well as pivoting from the dream photography business she built to building yet another successful dream business. She broke down the three non-negotiable boxes that absolutely had to be checked for this new business which include number one it must be location independent. Number two she no longer wanted to miss out on weekends and number three it had to include her voice. So this manifested in starting her own podcast, developing a killer personal brand, and leaning in on her strengths. Laura has done an incredible job harmonizing her passions and strengths to build a fulfilling life that makes sense for her and her business. Today's episode is brought to you by Tony Greco's new online health and fitness portal, TG Fitness. Tony is an elite celebrity personal trainer who trains the likes of Claude Giroux, Mike Fisher, and Carrie Underwood, just to name a few. TG Fitness includes programs that hit on all pillars of overall health, which has helped me stay in shape during this lockdown. From home workouts to mindfulness, mobility, and nutrition modules, you'll find it all. Just head over to www.tg.fitness and use the code word DEEP to get 20% off at checkout. Today's episode is also produced by my media and marketing agency, Deep Digital Media. We specialize in starting, managing, and growing podcasts, as well as content for businesses and personal brands. We actually even built and produced the content within TG Fitness, and now we're marketing the brand as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me about anything I've talked about today, head over to www.deepaksharma.co. Enjoy today's episode, and just remember, it's not that deep. Laura Kelly, welcome to the It's Not That Deep podcast. Yay, I'm excited. I'm really excited too. Um, we kind of like formally met a couple of weeks ago-ish, even though in I still- In the DMs we met, which is the, like the, the 2020 way that people get together and get connected, right? Exactly. That's like, that's like grabbing a coffee nowadays, which is like, you know, even that you don't even know. But to give you a proper introduction, you are an entrepreneur, a copywriter and messaging pro. You're a wedding and engagement photographer, a business coach, a podcaster. And on top of that, you are a mom uh, to two kindergartners. Is that correct? Yeah, we've got uh, one kid in senior kindergarten and one in grade one. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. first of all, like I have to say, I thought I do a lot of things. Like I thought I, I do things and I'm a busy dude. Uh, I, it pales in comparison to all the things you've somehow managed to juggle. And we're going to get into all that. But um, kind of like the first thing I, I want to talk about is like, how do you feel like being introduced? Like with all those kind of crazy all over the place titles, like how do you introduce yourself? And like, how do you feel about that kind of introduction? That's a good question. I feel like the way that I introduce myself is by saying I led a completely normal life up to the age of 21. I have had a corporate type of job. I was working as a legal assistant. And then I attended this one conference that I feel like really kind of changed my life and made me think, ah, oh, if, if there are pieces about the corporate life that I don't like, I can actually 
change them. And that's what led me to start my own business at 21. The same way that I think we, you know, most of us will start a business in some sort of industry that we feel connected to. I was engaged at the time when I started my photography business. So I was in the process of looking for a wedding photographer for my own wedding, which gave me you know, that really interesting perspective that said, I know exactly what a bride wants. I know exactly what I would want to hire, what website I would want to see, what information I would want to see there, how I want them sending me emails back. And I just started a photography business without any experience and it popped off. It worked. And I have kind of a crazy origin story about why it worked, which we can get into later if you want to. It's kind of a crazy one. Um, but I ran that business for eight years just with my head down without even kind of thinking about what was going to be next. In my mind, I had done it. I had built the business of my dreams. I took that business and I you know, grew it to where I started to work with literally my ideal clients again and again and again, starting to be known for and recognized for the things that I was super passionate about in the photography space. And then I had a realization about eight years in that said, oh, I don't still want to be doing this when I'm 45. Mm-hmm. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, that realization. It sounds very basic, but for me, it was I had put my head down to build it for so long that I, I, I feel like I was zooming out in that moment and saying, whoa, there's going to be a second business here. Mm. And that realization is what led me to start the podcast, which is kind of what changed everything. I decided that for a year, I was going to, again, put my head down. That's my style. It doesn't work. Put my head down and do it. I was going to document that process of starting to think about building that second career. So I started a podcast called You Might Not Like It. I love that our podcasts have some similar words to them and are both like full sentences, uh, kind of rare. But uh, I started the podcast to document the building of my second career. And I feel like as I was learning these new skills and layering on different pieces to that puzzle within my own personal and business development journey, I just started putting that out into podcast episodes. And a year later, I had kind of figured out what I wanted to do, at least for now, And that allowed me to start my business as a coach and online course creator and an educator. Oh my goodness. Like I could go like, there's so many, my brain is buzzing. I could go like a a billion (laughs) directions right now, like with this podcast, but uh, I want to talk about like you, you might not like it. Like first tell me about that. Tell me about like starting that podcast and like what the name behind it. Obviously you kind of told us the gist of like, the reason you started it, but like, talk to me about that. And like, well, mm-hmm. like why podcast and why not like a YouTube channel or something? Like, so I was the person in school who, when asked to like submit a book report, I said, would it be possible for me to do a video presentation at the front of the class and like turn the lights <laughs> down and like hand out popcorn to the students? Like I've always just been so extra. And I've also felt like I'm so extroverted. I love, like, I just love getting into really deep conversations with my friends and with other business owners. And I feel like I was that person for so many and still am, thankfully, uh, who said to me, like, I, I'm just in a place where I need some motivation. Can we go for coffee? And, you know, I'm, I was that person. People would say messages after we'd separate from a coffee date and they'd be like, I'm so fired up. I can't wait to put this out there. And I kept thinking, I wish there was a way for me to record this and then have other people listen to it. And really, I thought the podcast was going to be a lot more of a guest podcast, that type of format where I was interviewing people every single week. Um, But the reason that I decided to start it in the first place was after that realization that said there is going to be a second business, 
I felt like I knew that one of the components that I wanted my second business to have, because remember my first business was like everything that I had dreamed of, which is great, but it also means that the bar is set extremely high for what's next. Mm-hmm. So I had really figured out how to build my first business into fit my boundaries. I mean, I went through two pregnancies, two, you know, newborn stages with that business, got married, did the whole thing, like moved into different houses, did all of that while running that business. And I was able to build it with my boundaries in mind, but I knew that my next business was going to have some, a couple different things to it. One of those things, it was not going to be geographically limited. Mm. Right. I ran an Ottawa based business the first time around. I knew my second business was going to be more of an open door can help anyone that comes through it Two, I knew it wasn't going to be Saturdays. I put in my time for eight years, right. For now coming up on 10 years that I've been a photographer. I put in my Saturdays in the, in the summer and was that person who said, I can't come to cottage weekend until Sunday morning. Um, and I knew that it was going to have my voice in it. That, that was kind of, those were the three pieces that I knew if I didn't know anything else, but what that business was going to be, how I was going to monetize it, but I knew it was going to have those components. And so the piece about the voice, I always had this sense that like someone just give me a microphone. I have stuff to say. And yet I struggled with thinking, but I don't know what topic. And right. if I couldn't come up with what, what topics I wanted to share about, how was anybody going to ask me to speak on a stage at a conference and put a mic in my hand unless I was already talking about stuff? So the podcast was really my way of saying, let me break my own speaking cherry and like, let me really get in there and play around with a bunch of different topics and start to figure out what fired me up, what made me really excited to talk about and what people wanted to hear from me. And in that process, it, I really, it it took me a lot longer to start a podcast than I would like. It took me about eight months to go from that first seated thought to actually being able to say, go here and you can listen to it. And for so many reasons, one, I'm such an overcomplicator. I really (laughs) added a ton of layers to it. I was like, it needs to have a promotional video. Okay. It needs to have its own website. It needs to be fancy. It needs to be branded. (laughs) It needs to be good. All those things that I, that really just naturally come up as an overcomplicator, but Also, I felt a ton of fear that someone was going to listen to my first episode and think like, this is garbage. This is like literally not for me. The quality is bad. The tech's bad. I don't like the way that she doesn't have an intro. I don't like, you know, I don't like the music. I don't like these things. And I feared that so much, which when people get to know me, they're kind of surprised to hear that because I'm very confident. But that fear was just, it was in there, but it was borrowed deep. And when I was sitting on a plane, I was on my way to a conference to go learn about podcasting. I was like, I'm going to attend one conference to kind of get my feet wet with like the audio industry. And on the plane ride, I said, I'm going to name my podcast by the time I I land this plane. It sounds like I'm driving it, but no, I was like, I'm going to name the podcast by the time I touch down in New York. And I wrote out a big list of all of these different titles. Ultimately, one of the things that I wrote down was like, what if people hate it? And then I said, what if I called the podcast? you might not like it Boom. <laughs> and really like release that pressure and release that fear that then if I put it out and it's called, you might not like it. And they go, I don't like it. I go, Hey, I warned you. <laughs> so that was where it started. It really was me saying F you to my own fear, rejection, insecurities of not doing it. And I said, what if I named the thing based on the fear that I had? And we all know that that's what works with fear. 
if you name the fear, you just take its power away. Wow. 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 I am mind blown right now. First of all, the parallels between our stories are insane. Like I, I, I want to just keep interrupting and say, me too. Oh yeah. my God, Laura, <laughs> same here. I had the exact, but I like just all of that there. And you know, when it comes to starting a podcast, first of all, for those listening, you're what, 110, 130 episodes? Um, yeah, I'm into the 130s now. That's yeah. nuts. First of yeah. all, congratulations. That's hey. wild. Um, and second of all, like everyone thinks that like, we, we, okay, obviously the actual like starting of a podcast, it's not like the most complicated thing in the world, right? It doesn't have to be. It does not have to be, but for people like myself and you who do want to overcomplicate things, it's like finding out what kind of equipment, thinking of the name and the website and how, how are people going to react to it? And like, people don't know me as this person and you know, so now I'm going to be this person. How's that going to be perceived? What's the logo look like? What's the font, you know, like what, and all that stuff. Right. But I think, and, uh, and also you have to write a description for your podcast before you have any episodes. Exactly. That's for a scary me, thought. For me, who was like, I'm going to give myself a mic when, what I wanted so desperately was for someone to say, Laura Kelly, come speak at our conference. And I recognize that the way you get there is by starting to talk. And by starting to Arf. talk and you can do it without permission, amazing. You can give yourself the permission to put those, your own titles behind your name. I remember the first time I was asked to, to speak in front of a group, I was wearing this name tag from this conference and sat on the stage and the name tag said, Laura Kelly, comma, photographer. Mm. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm a photographer, but how do I change that word? Mm. Like it took me eight years to be sitting on that stage with a name tag that said, Laura Kelly, comma, photographer. And I was like, how do I make it say, something different. Do I have to wait another eight years before I can change the way somebody else describes me? And right. I realized, no, I just have to talk a lot about the stuff that I want to appear after my name on a name tag. Yeah. And that's, that's such a big thing there that, you know, I definitely wanted to talk to you about in the podcast, but it's just such a natural segue and we'll get back into talking about podcasting as a whole and all that kind of stuff, but you know, identity. And like, that's, that I think to me is such a big thing that I personally, I had to go through battles and in, in shedding that, you know, I, I grew up like being an athlete, right? Like to me, I was identified with like, I'm an athlete, I'm a football player, I'm going to go do this, that and the other thing, right? And when that was out, I don't want to be too dramatic about this, but like taken away from me, uh, when I got injured, and I could no longer play that sport that I identified with, and I loved so much, it fucked with me. I'm like, dude, mm -hmm. this is not like, what's what's wrong? Like, I'm not like, I've been introducing myself as this person. I've not been embodying this, this, this title for so long. And now I'm not, no longer that I I'd be lying if I told you I did that. And so now what, like I got to pick up the pieces and rebuild this new identity. And that's just such a crazy thing that I still, to this day, I'm learning, like I'm learning about that. And then to me personally, it's like, okay, well then like, why does any of that even really like matter? Like it actually yeah. doesn't. If someone today like wants to label me as a podcaster, even, even like that, but like, quite frankly, like that's, that's incorrect. Like it, it's, it's right technically because you got to give me a label humans. We love to put people in this neat little box, right? When I introduced you today, I had to like, I'll use all the titles, but all that's not, yeah. but that's not Laura Kelly. That's not like, that's not you like that's not exactly like who you are it's just like a convenient way to label you and so i do think that we put almost too much stock in like 
what are other people going to think? You know, like what and are I'll other even people going to take that one call? further and, and say that when you're pivoting and evolving a business like I did, when you're yep. taking something that you have that's established, no one took photography away from me. My mm -hmm. body allowed me to continue doing that job. But I knew that I wanted to set my sights on something a little bit different for the future. I kind of, I know that as a, as a spontaneous person, as a person who loves change, as a person who loves to keep it fresh, as a person who doesn't want any rules or restrictions, don't box me in, like all of that, I knew that I was never going to be locked into one business for the rest of my life. It just wasn't going to be the case. But when I started to talk about this second business as it was coming up, I had people coming to me and asking me, how do you think that's going to make your photography clients feel mm. that you're starting this other business that you're starting to change your Instagram bio and start talking about other topics? And I said, how's it going to make my photography clients feel <laughs> my skill and talent as a photographer hasn't changed yeah. my ability to take on their project and take their offer and run with it hasn't changed, mm -hmm. but I don't know anybody, anything. Mm. And so if I want to change my direction and evolve my business into a different industry and start talking about other topics, I will never put someone else's needs for what they think that I need to be above my own. And it just comes back to, it's a piece of my personality that's always there. I don't know how into like Enneagram you are, but like I'm big into like, I love to find out people's Enneagram types and I'm a seven, like a hard extroverted seven. You've probably heard it on this recording so far, but I'm also a little bit of an eight. And an eight is like that challenger, that like aggressive person that it doesn't always mean in a negative way. For me, that aggression shows up that says, you can't make me feel guilty. Right. You can't make your opinions change what I'm going to decide to do about me. It's just mm -hmm. never even going to enter my state of mind. And yet, because so many ask me that, I've been in so many conversations where I've said, would you actually not start a second business or start talking about something else because you worried what people would think Mm -hmm. about just you flipping the script on them and just kind of like and they like, go yeah i would yeah mm -hmm. i would be really worried about that wow no that's yeah that's uh, to me uh, i think it like kind of boils down and just from talking to you this short period of time and and like how i see your energy and feel what you're all about you have a very high level of self-awareness and i think that's a very like one of the most probably important skills that you can have and just ways to kind of feel things and know what feels right and what feels wrong and what you want to pour your energy into and what kind of takes your energy away. And so like, I think that's why you've been able to be so successful in pivoting to something that's kind of very different. Right. But at mm -hmm. the same time, you're, you're still you, you're taking everything that you built in that last eight years and then doing something a little bit different with it, but it still gives you energy. You, you and, and thank and, God I brought myself into the conversation about photography. Mm -hmm. Thank God I didn't stand behind my camera and say, I'm going to facelessly be this photographer who you never get to know and never get to see a personal side from. Because mm -hmm. if that is what I had done, if I had aligned myself with my photography business from a position of I'm a faceless artist and my personality is only within the photos themselves, I would have had a very challenging pivot towards mm -hmm. a business that is more of a personal brand where it's my name, my face, my thoughts, right. my voice. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I feel like, you know, you go outside, you could close your eyes, spin around and open them and you'd be pointing at someone whose advice is be authentic, show you, be who you are. Thank God I did that because mm -hmm. my audience was ready for me 
whatever it was I was going to do. Right. And that has been the greatest gift is that the audience that I've built, they're with me for the long haul. And it gives me the freedom and flexibility to never feel boxed in and to think even if hmm. like, I, I'm, I'm definitely not naive to think I'm going to be a business coach for 30 years. There's no way. There's no way. Just knowing who I am and knowing how long 10 years is, there's no way. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is that with that authenticity and with showing up and like really telling people about you and opening yourself up and telling your stories and making the business a piece of you, they'll be there. Yeah. They'll be there for whatever comes as business number three, mm -hmm. which and, is not and, coming anytime soon. We're and, good. and one further thing there, it's like, even if they're not good, that's fine. Like that's Perfect. actually, that's actually a better because now it's like, yo, I don't want you sticking around for something that you don't fuck with. You don't actually like or rock with, or maybe this content, let's say tomorrow you become an actor and people are just like, you know what? Not, not down, not about it. Unfollow yeah. off her email list, not down. And it's just like, good like that's a good thing that's actually not a bad thing that we like have and and you talked about it you know the fear the rejection the insecurity that kind of stuff that we all kind of have when going about some kind of new venture now i know uh you and i have a a good mutual friend in mallory rowan um, yeah, we do. shout out to mal love mal i've had her on my podcast and she's also uh my business coach uh, right now. So I've been doing that uh, with her for a couple months and it's already had a dramatic impact on my life and business. So shout out to Mal, little plug there. But you know, one thing that she has kind of talked to me about, and I haven't, I've never been good at like doing those like personality tests and stuff. Like I just, mm -hmm. I never gave a shit. Like I'm just me, accepted yeah. me or don't or whatever. But I, I think now I want to learn more about the type of person I am because I think just like it's shining through with everything you say right you know who you are like you mm -hmm. like you know like it, it's like it you radiate that energy right it's like you're very comfortable in your skin like like who you are and you're not apologizing for it and that's a beautiful empowering thing and i think we need more of that and so for me like i i think in our last call mal was walking me through some next level like um it was like all the you plug in into your, yeah, I don't know what it was. It's like plug in your uh, birth date and place time. and the time. I was yeah. like, all right, man, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> but but it was on point. It was like it was it was scary how like how accurate it was. Uh, just talking about that, like you know, this gives you energy. This is like set in stone for you, and this is not and these kinds of things. And you know. I used to probably would have just written that stuff off completely. I'm like, what are you selling me? Like, I know like, I did at your age. Yeah. 100% I did. Yeah, I'm like, what's I didn't, I didn't do this work for myself and I didn't allow pieces of my personality to penetrate the way that I actually operate my business until I was 30 years old mm -hmm. and I'm 31. And so it, it hasn't been that long that I've been running my business and allowing these pieces of, who I am, how I work, what stresses me out, what makes me feel good. The idea that I know about myself now, that I hate being boxed in so much that I can't take rules and restrictions, it's shocking to me that I started a business where I was telling people, yep, I will be there at this time on this date two years from now. But that's how my photography business ran. I probably would have done things a little bit different if I knew myself thoroughly at 21, but I'm so glad of the way that it turned out the way that it worked and right. that I was able to grow that business to be that of my dreams. But again, it raised that question. 
well, what happens after you build the business of your dreams? Right. Do you build another one? Right. Do you just kind of keep tweaking? Do you just kind of make changes? But now I really, from the, from the way that I operate my to-do list, from the messages that I allow into my headphones, the things that I listen to, the people in my life, so much of that is dependent on how I know, what I know about my personality, what I know to be true about me. And so I definitely feel like if we were on a podcast recording four years ago, you wouldn't have said that last statement about me that I know who I am and that I'm confident as who I am. I would have said, I don't know. I'm just trying to be a person that other people like and want to hire. That's what I feel like I right. did until 2930 when I really got super clear about how the personality component ties in. How does one get super clear about those kinds of things? Do you think that it just has to kind of happen through experience and you got to figure that stuff out for you uh, on your own, through your own life experience, through your own falling down, through your own journey of self-discovery? Or are there ways to kind of, you know, cheat code through that system? And, and I know you're a business coach, so, you know, there might be something there, but l let me know, like, what do you think? What, what do you think people can do who maybe are a little bit younger, who are a little bit lost trying to figure that out? Yeah. Well. So I think it starts with understanding the following statement, which is that your personal development is your business development. Yep. And until you get clear on that, there are two conversations. This is my personality and my business. This is my brand. And then on the other side, this is who I am. And that, I think the realization for me that really clicked that statement into place that said, my personal development is my business development was the moment when I was in my first three months as a business coach. And I remember asking one of my friends, Lana, who is a local business coach here in Ottawa, we're in a shared mastermind group with Mallory Rowan, with Gemma, with Becca, with Desiree, all a couple people that you probably heard of in Ottawa. And I asked Lana, where do I go for training? on the coaching world like do you recommend me to take a certain course or a workshop or to you know go to some sort of live event and lana looked at me and said you know that the way that you get better as a coach is by being better as you right and i was like no yeah. i don't know that can you repeat that <laughs> and she was like for you to become a better coach you need to understand more about yourself and so she recommended that i worked with a coach so i found a coach and I have, I have very deep-seated issues with letting people into the, uh, the next level deep layer with me. Mm -hmm. I'm really an open book except for the last chapter. Right. And that last chapter is locked tight. Okay. And I have a real problem letting people into that last chapter. So for me to feel comfortable hiring a business coach, I actually had to find someone who was overseas. I had to oh, find damn. someone who literally there was an ocean between me and this person so that I could <laughs> tap into yes. that last chapter without feeling like this girl knew me. She was walking around telling other people about me. Right. I just had a lot of insecurity about being able to open up with somebody else. But when I did it and I did what I needed to do, I found this person with an ocean in between us who we had no mutual friends, no mutual followers on Instagram. That's what I needed to feel safe to do it. And when I started to learn about who I was, I realized she was right that the, the development comes out through that. So right. if working with a coach is not in line with someone who, who's listening right now who thinks I want to get to know a little bit more about myself, I would recommend pay the $12, take your Enneagram test, 
and then read a ton about it. Listen to a ton of podcasts about it. The way that I run my business is 100% different after realizing that I am a strong type seven Damn. and that type sevens have a lot of qualities that need to be mindful of their business constraints. I'm going to do that right after this podcast. Well, yes. not right after, but I'm going to go do it because yes. I've heard so many people talk about this Enneagram thing and all these numbers. I want to know what type you are. I already have my guess, but it's like, it's, you're not supposed to guess other people's type. You're supposed to let them tell you their type. It's like okay. an Enneagram code of honor. So. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'll let you know as soon as yeah, I get that, that uh, figured out. And, you know, to me, kind of a big thing that you talked about there is like that whole, um, the per the the separation having that that person who is not going to be very involved in your day to day who you can just be vulnerable and open with and and grow with right and Absolutely. you know i didn't have a like a, the same kind of experience like in terms of um a formal structure like that to do it but for me like some of the most transformative um time of my life and where I really changed and figured out who I am as a person was when I went on an international exchange. So it was me removing myself from my comfort zone, right? And that was my first time not living with my parents and my first time, you know, exploring the world and doing things that I would normally think are ridiculous and just, you know, I'm going to go to Italy for three weeks. I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to Greece. I'm going, I just went everywhere and explored everything, tasted all the food, tried everything did everything and i was like that to me was kind of my um removing myself from what i'm used to and what i know and like here in little auto ontario just with my friends my family everything where i was kind of raised and like that's such a big thing it's like knowing your environment and your inputs and you talked before about kind of the podcast that you listen to and your information diet a little bit right now so talk to me about now like laura kelly right now like what are those things that you do now that you kind of have figured out who you are as a person what you want to do what you want to like what imprint you want to leave on this world and for your kids what what are those things that you're like hard as Mal Mal calls them non-negotiables? Non like what, are the, what, yeah. what are the what are those uh, things for you? Like so the way that I kind of see that is to me, these are all the ways that I curate a life that I really just enjoy living. Mm. I grew up with a message from my parents. Oh my god, okay, I'm not gonna get emotional about it. Um, I grew up with a message from my parents after both of my grandfathers passed away before I was born. And they passed away within, one of them was a year after retirement and one of them was a week after retirement. And wow. my, both of my grandparents on both sides, their lives were structured in a way that said, do everything for retirement. Save all your money for retirement. Don't have fun now. Work hard, make money, put it away. And then when you retire, you start your life. And to see both my parents really made sure that we knew that that wasn't a good strategy, my brother and I, and my brother and I are both entrepreneurs. So um, <laughs> something got through there. It worked. Uh, it worked. Yep. Uh, but also I, I just honestly feel like when I describe the way that I curate a life that I love, it's these little things that have big impact for me. And one way that it shows up a lot is in my calendar. So I start that conversation of what my non-negotiables are with an outline of what my calendar looks like. So right away, I have 
a certain amount of time outlined for all of my non-negotiables. All my workouts that I, my favorite classes to go to at the gym, they're all locked and loaded in my calendar and showing up as not available for my clients to book those times. You can't get in touch with me. We could not have booked this podcast recording on Monday at 9.30 because I'm on a cycle bike, having my favorite time of the class, starting that week off right. And putting those things in allow me to always find myself with one of those good days. You know, when you get to the end of the good day and you thought, wow, I was able to do all the things that I love and I was able to do all the work that I love. And I did a lot, like I got a lot done, but I'm not stressed about it. That's the kind of day that I'm obsessively finding every single day. So it starts with calendar management and really implementing those boundaries. I learned from someone very wise that the minute that you have overextended your boundaries is a sign that you're ready to implement a system to make sure that it never happens again. So when I found myself having two photo shoots on one day with 30 minutes in between, and I felt like, oh, I'm watching my clock on that first photo shoot going oh my gosh, I have to run out of here because I have another session and I hate that feeling and I get in the car and I'm driving for 20 minutes, stressed out, gripping the wheel. That to me, that's a sign that'll never happen again. I'm either going to make sure that I have an hour and a half between sessions or I have two hours between sessions or I only have one on, on each day. So it starts with that calendar management. And next, when, when you asked, you know, what goes through the headphones, I think that's also a really big deal. I can get a read on myself depending on how quick my brain is spinning. We all know that feeling of being like my brain's on overdrive or my brain is thirsty. And when your brain is thirsty, it's a sign that you want to nourish it. And usually for me, that shows up with learning. So I subscribe to two very different types of podcasts. On the one hand, I have stuff for when my brain is spinning. I have podcasts that are for entertainment for me. Let me spend two hours while I'm working, while I'm editing, listening to a podcast about the bachelorette season 22, episode six, deep dive. I'm there. (laughs) When my brain is thirsty, I feed it with the type of information that I know translates into my business. And this is where I think I'm super passionate too about how most of us are not going to be creating the wheel that runs our business. Most of us haven't invented some sort of brand new industry or created some sort of product that's like never been seen elsewhere, right? Most of us are stepping into an industry that already exists, trying to add our own little bit of personality and flavor to it, but we're not creating anything from scratch. So that can leave a lot of people feeling like, I don't have any value to share. I don't have anything to say. I'm running out of content because I don't know. I've said everything that I believe. And for me, I say, your brain is thirsty. If you are running out of content, you are thirsty for information and It is a part of your process to listen to that information and let other people pour those thoughts into yours and then come away from that and think, how does that make me feel? And how am I going to translate to to my life? And then how am I going to take that translation to my life and turn it into content? And that's what we do. I know we both operate under that schedule. hundred percent. So when things are flowing through my headphones and I, I get that sense of what I need and what I'm looking for. I also really look at my work week and I try to make sure that I don't have a week that only leaves me with enough time for work stuff because there's a difference between work and business growth. Right. Work, the way I see it, is everything you need to do for your clients. It's everything you need to get done in a day. It's to-do list stuff. That's work. Business growth happens at the same desk, but it is stuff that you are doing for future you. And I know about myself that I, when I come to the end of a week and I haven't done anything for me that doesn't go into that business growth, I feel a little bit empty. So I know I need to make some room in my life to create that time 
for business growth. I love that, like that structure of, of feed me because I'm, yes. I'm thirsty. I need yes. this. Yes. And, and, or I'm just over, there's too much going on. I got to turn much. off. I need to be a brain in a jar. Yes. This is so, I mean, I've been doing this. I never had it thought out like a system like that. I just automatically mm-hmm. do this where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like Deepak's running on, on, on empty, on fumes right yep. now. I've just, I, I put, took too much on today. I did way too much and I'm going for a walk and let me just throw on some like just absolute trash just yeah. like, absolute just like a bro sciencey ass joe rogan yep. ass podcast where it's like there's no it, i'm not actually learning anything useful it's just people talking shit i need that totally. and then there's other times where it's like yo i need i got I, I need to get some juice and i'll throw on like a like a farnham street or like a you know like a ted ted radio or like it's just something that's like gonna just i need to learn something i need i need juice and i never thought of it that way and that's that's amazing i really like that a lot um something you talked about uh, a little bit before uh we got into kind of this whole like identity finding yourself figuring out who you are is you know coming back to the podcast again, obviously I just, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I could keep talking about them forever. We could do a five hour podcast on podcasts, <laughs> but um, you talked about like not asking anyone permission to start that thing. And, and Ooh, you know, yeah. it's like, I, that's one of the things I love about podcasts is just how low the barrier to entry is for anybody and everybody. And the second thing you said there was like, the the like kind of the infinite like leverage i guess you could say that you have with that and it's something that um one someone i really look up to uh naval ravikant uh i don't know if you've heard of him they call him like but i'm gonna be googling after so oh yeah like i'll send you some podcasts with this guy and he just talks about he's one of those um angel investor type dudes um like venture cap i don't know what you'd call him but he's actually cool like you actually kind of fuck with everything he says and it's all very same vibration like we're talking about and stuff but he talks about it's like look if if you don't really know like what to do or what to bring like you need kind of that creative outlet start a fucking podcast man like it's infinite leverage without asking permission and that just runs in a loop um in my head all day because i can swear as you can tell i could <laughs> i don't i didn't ask someone like per, uh, like permission and do a big nope. production meeting and like next level suits telling me about what i can and what i shouldn't say and this we're just talking we're just two people having a conversation and so when you have guests on your podcast and you know you're you know, you have kind of from when you started, you probably have now kind of got a little bit more of a, not a template of what you want to say, but like a direction, you know, a more mm. clear direction and where you're going. What, what like, what's that like for you now? Like when you bring guests on and you're talking, you're having a chat, I've listened to some of your podcasts. I love them. So how do you, how do you make that flow now? Well, I have a lot of thoughts and I want to pause for a second and say that I love what you said about how podcasting has a low barrier to entry in terms of you don't need a production company. You can grab a bike. You can literally record from your AirPods if you want to Mm -hmm. make it scrappy. You know, I'm all about team unfancy. That said, there's a very big hurdle that needs to be jumped over low barrier to entry 
but big emotional hurdle. And that emotional hurdle is what needs to happen where you say, I have something worth saying. And I have a voice that has a space to be listened to by others. You almost have to believe in yourself and your ability to make people think or feel something or educate someone. You have to be such a believer in yourself before you make that step and you put it out there. So yeah, low barrier to entry, but I think we see a lot of people who then feel, oh, it's accessible, I can do it, and get really stuck on the emotional piece. Mm -hmm. The piece that says, you're telling me that I have to believe that my content is worth someone hit and play when they have one hour to run, and I'm telling you, you should listen to my hour of content. Right. So that's a big emotional piece that has to happen. And but that's I just putting try... too much pressure on yourself though. It's a ton you know, of pressure. You, you know what I mean? Like, and, and sorry to interrupt you there, but it's like, you know, you talked about it taking six months, eight months uh, to eight start months, your podcast yeah. from idea yeah. to putting it out. And I talked to so many people who have the exact same story. I'm one of those people too. When I like from when I, enough people gas me up to like, dude, you got to do this. You know, I was having these deep conversations, blah, 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 blah. To from that to like buying this mic off Kijiji and like actually like shooting and putting out that first episode, that took me like six months to do. Mm -hmm. And like, but you, like, it's a good and a bad thing. I do think that it's important to make sure you're feeling right about doing something. But at the same time, just start, like, just do it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and I think first ask questions later. Totally. And you don't have to stress too much about the part that I think is that emotional hurdle. I know you're going to listeners who are considering starting a podcast, but to be, to be honest, it is not your place to judge whether something is worth hearing or not. It is the marketplace's place. It is your listener's place to judge if a piece of content is good or if it's not good. And so when you said, well, you and I are just talking. Yeah, but someone's on the other receiving end of this conversation saying, I'm getting something from this. Right. And we don't have to know exactly what that is. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to judge and think what's good enough for them, what's mm -hmm. not. That was such a gift for me to be able to try putting out a ton of different episodes, different formats. When I started, I would literally put out, I put out an hour episode one day, a 30 minute the next, and a five minute episode the next. And I'd say, I'm going to give you content in all different kinds of shapes yeah. and sizes. You tell me what you like and what works for you. I took that feedback and kind of refined my process. So now to circle back and answer your question about guests, because your girl never forgets a train of thought. Um, Re-guests, I feel like, I'm in the spot now where I am so grateful and thankful for the people who tune in every week to listen to my podcast that I have made a vow to myself that says, I won't have a famous guest on there who I know is not a good speaker. Right. Sorry, it's not going to happen. It's like I put so, they put so much trust in me to give me space between their headphones that yeah. I respect it every time I show up. So mm. I'm looking for people who have, thoughts and values and experiences to bring to my audience, but are yeah. also good speakers. I want it to be entertaining to listen to. Yeah. And I also expect them to come to me and say, this is what I want to teach. Doesn't have to be super specific. This is the title for the episode I want. This is what I want it to be about. Doesn't have to be like that. But I want someone to come to me and say, and have the same hunger I did when I started and say, give me a mic. 
Mm. and tell me what you think we should talk about. Right. Because I'm sure you, you get pitches all the prepared, time. Oh, all the time. Yeah, me too. And it's so weird. Like sometimes you legit got to tell someone it's like, Gio, like, I love you, man. Like, but what do you got to talk about? What do you want to talk about? It's like, oh, yeah. like nothing. Like, oh, just yeah, like, like, oh, whatever you want. Like whatever you think would be good. And it's like, okay, wait, no, no. Uh, like, <laughs> uh. And the other thing too is I, I don't work with people who are on three to five podcasts a week. That's just like, that's not my style. And we both know what those pitches look like where oh, yeah. they're sent from your virtual assistant, oh, yeah. right? And they're like, here you go. This person has been on 25 podcast episodes that are similar to yours. Here are the links where you can listen to them. And I go, <laughs> that's an automatic guy, delete for me. <laughs> this guy doesn't give a fuck about yeah. whether I say yes or no. He's not going to promote this episode. He's not no. going to be excited and tell his people where to go find it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I am so excited every time I get to work with someone who's at a similar level to me, instead of someone who is oh, I'm too famous to be on your podcast and I have too many followers to promote yeah. it. I'm like, okay, then it, it's not happening. <laughs> Dude, I can completely relate because me, I don't even want to go after big guests anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's important for, you know, vanity reasons and for, you know, like you get a big guest and the, the followers and fans and people who whatever on social media see that they get a huge boost out of it. They're like, oh my God, this is so sick. Your podcast is so legit, blah, blah, blah. But like, to me, it's like that person kind of sucked. Like that person didn't promote anything. They didn't really care. They're just there, whatever. And like, yep. mind you, I haven't had big, big, big guests or anything. Right. But like all that, all that to say, like, I don't even like want to rank people by big or small. Like I, you're forever we're all just human we're all just like i could get stuff out of people we all have a story to talk about and one big thing there is like it's actually sometimes better to get the the smaller person oh yeah they're hungry for it they, they're, they're hungry from the rooftops i was on a podcast yeah. and you're like sick so, exactly yeah you can't predict who's gonna be good at marketing an episode you can't predict who's gonna you know be afraid to go there in a chat. You can't right. predict the people who are going to come to you and say, okay, I have 10 steps to do this. Yep. Step one, I rec- and you're like, oh my oh, God. God, put it on paper, Kill let me. me read it and let me listen to a different episode. So I have to get a sense, which is why, and I know you do this as well, I ho- always hop on a call with my guests to just get a sense of how they talk and how they feel. Right. And never for that call do I say 100% we're having that episode until after that call is done. I say, let's get on enough, let's get on a call, chat about it, and yeah. then we'll see. The minute they start talking about stuff I know I'm interested in, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I need to pause you there because I want to hear it live on our recording. That, and I'm, that, I'm the same way, yeah. And I've that's ha- something that really helps me. 100%. That's something that I've had to learn the hard way. And uh, I've had guests on the show and amazing people. They're all, I love everyone. But sometimes if you don't do that initial filter process, you know, as good as you and I are at just kind of just going with it and just rocking with whatever and like not everybody's like that yeah some (laughs) people like you hit the record button and they're different people like maybe they're cool even before but then you hit the record button and it's just like ah dude like i'm fishing i think people are afraid of the permanence of an (laughs) audio recording oh my goodness i can go and edit my my instagram post if i don't want it to be out yeah maybe someone screenshotted it or whatever but i can take that down i can retract that email. I can, you know, archive that post. But if this audio lives somewhere that's not in my control, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with 
I'm on the air. Like mm-hmm. I'm live and yeah. it's, that's a struggle. And to um, be fair, I, I struggled with that. I, I yeah. used to like with my first few episodes, I was extremely insecure about the fact that um, I needed to have a few drinks to get the show started. I always had like, if you go back, it's so embarrassing, but you go back and you look at my show now, I always had like a beer or something in front of me (laughs) just to get, just to get like the nerves. Like I was so nervous. I'm a very confident guy, but I've, I've never done something like this. And it was so weird to be on YouTube. And I'm like, people might actually watch this. This is so fucking weird. Like, what the hell? And, and my version of that, because I, I wish I went the drinking route, but I went a slightly different route, which was I would have to write everything down. So oh. if I was, because I, I, I knew my format was going to be as, as at the most extreme of guest heavy, it was always going to be one-to-one. One guest, one solo, one guest, one solo. Now it's one guest five solo. That's about my pattern right now. Um, But in the early days, I wrote everything down. I had what I was going to say for that episode. Like everything was, was written so that I could follow it. And now I can go live and record an episode, click play, click end, no edit, boom, add the intro, outro music, fire it up. It's loaded with two to three bullet points. This is kind of what I want to talk about. This is what I want to get across. And this is what I want to leave you with. That's the bones. That's the structure for what I'll do for a solo episode for me. Unless a topic feels like a real stretch for me to kind of bring to it. And I want it to be much more of a, an approach. For example, I did an episode called A Beginner's Guide to Email Marketing. So for that, yeah, I could talk casually about email marketing for 40 minutes if I wanted to as a solo you know, podcast recorder. But if I'm going to create... This is your guide to start. This is your guide to actually start using email marketing and not just collecting emails. It has to be a little more structured there. For free. Yeah. If I'm going to show you how to do it, let's, let's make sure that I have all the information that I want to get across to you. But yeah. still, it used to be so detailed and now it's just bare bones. Right. You know? So it comes, with, it comes with time. It comes with experience. 100%. And to me, um, something that you even mentioned before, and it's like kind of the marketplace will decide, Ooh, right? Yeah. And, and that does not trend like that translates way beyond just podcasts. That's everything. And I'm not a season. Like I don't have anywhere near the business experience that you have, but earlier this year, um, when I launched my own kind of agency, uh, I've learned a lot about sales in this like last year of fumbling and figuring things out. And it's, it's a, it's a long journey ahead of me too, to learn that there's a lot to learn still, but some like one very important lesson that I learned this last year is that I don't actually dictate like the, um, the worth of, like my offer or, or whatever that is. That's actually not for me to decide. I can guide it. I can kind of be like, this is the value of it, of this outcome, but I can't tell you like what it's, what it's worth to you. What like a coaching program, let's say for one person, um, you know, 50 bucks a month might be like, oof, this is like ridiculous to another person. Like they'll shell out a hundred thousand dollars because it's like, if you give me that one tweak, that's going to help me make 20 million more dollars. It's a drop in the bucket. So like, just the levels of that have been extremely like mind blowing for me to see. And I completely see the value of coaching. And I, like I've mentioned to you, I have a coach myself. I love 
this space. I think one day it's probably in the cards for me to become a coach. That's probably going to happen. But for now, it's like you were kind of talking about just be good at the thing that I'm good at and, and focus on that and keep doing this. I love the podcasting. This is just so fun for me. And and this is going to be a piece of your story when you tell it from the future, when you say, Hey, I'm Deepak. And like this, I'm a coach. And you know, my story started when I, and it's this, like, Mm -hmm. this is part of the story. And we've been talking, we've been circling this dream, this whole episode, but the idea of starting before you're ready and the idea of not letting anybody need to give you permission to do something. Oh, what a relief and a, and a way to release the pressure to recognize that when you first start something, forget the, the need for it to be perfect and for oh, it to yes. be good because you're writing the beginning of your story. Yeah. Like when I think back to my first year as a photographer, so like I said, I have an interesting origin story where about a month into my business, which by the way meant I was using a free blogger URL. Okay. <laughs> I had designed in paint or maybe PowerPoint if I was being fancy, my own little version of a logo. And I was starting to book free clients on Kijiji to build a portfolio. Again, I'm working as a legal assistant at the time. I'm 21. I'm engaged myself. My wedding's next year. And I'm kind of just trying to enter this space. So I have a camera. I get a camera bag from Kijiji. I start buying a couple of different lenses, what I need. The only training that I had in photography was from the grade 11 high school teacher who also taught gym. Okay. So it wasn't like I went to photography school. I did not go to Algonquin, self-taught everything. So I start posting stuff on Kijiji and I get an email from the Kijiji guy like not a customer, but like someone who works in like Ottawa Kijiji. And he's like, Hey, do you want to be the deal of the day? Sure. Okay. What does that mean? He goes, well, we're going to have you in out in the emails. And this is like the time of Groupon. I mean, deal of the day was huge. This is where you got your car wash. This is where yeah. you got your bikini waxes. This is where you went to dinner. Like this was yeah. everything. So he says to me, I want you to be the deal of the day come on in. We're going to do this upright. So we have a meeting. I post an ad. My deal of the day goes live and I sell 30 photo shoots that were each like 40 bucks. So I do them all amazing. I'm starting to build a portfolio. I'm starting to be able to charge a little bit and I get a knock on the door from Groupon. And the Groupon guys are like, saw what you did on Kijiji deal of the day, how you want to play with the big boys. And I'm like, I'm famous. So they go, this is November, 2011. They go, we want to put you as deal of the day on the best day of the week, Saturday. I go, awesome. Amazing. They go, the only problem is you have to discount your services 70%. So I said, they said, how much is your photo shoot? Now remember, I'm three months old to this business, right? They go, how much is your photo shoot? You already told me how much I have to discount it. So at the time I was charging 65 bucks for a photo shoot or 40 for the Kijiji ones because they were taking a cut. And he goes, how much is your shoot? And I said, $350. And he goes, great. We're going to discount at 70%, whatever. I don't even remember what the number was, but it worked out to be, I was going to get paid $40 per session that was booked on Groupon for a one hour photo shoot. You can use it for whatever you want, family, maternity, engagement. You can use it for headshots, whatever you want. So deal of the day goes live and I'm shooting a small wedding at the Days Inn Brockville. Okay. Real glamorous moment for me. Real cute venue. I'm shooting this wedding and I get a call. I call my husband Tom, like, can you check the deal of the day? Like, is it live? How's it going? And he goes, yeah. And there's a counter on it. It shows how many have been sold. He goes, babe, you've sold 50. 
I'm like, Holy shit. amazing, sick. That's great. 50 clients through the door. Can't wait. I call back in an hour. It was like between the bride prep and the ceremony or something like that. I call back and I'm like, what's it at? And he goes, it's at a hundred. Oh, I'm like, amazing. Okay. Call back another hour. What's the tally? 250. I'm like, uh, uh, oh, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> the photo shoots expired in eight months. Oh boy. So I start to get, I start to pull up my email and I start to email my group on rep and I'm like, yo, it's at 250. Like what's this, like what happens if it, if it goes really high and he goes, don't even worry about it. The only 50% of people redeem their group funds. You're good. I'm like, okay, no worries. So that 250 is actually more like 125. Well, I disappear for another hour. I get in my car. By the time I'm driving home from that wedding, the counter had stopped after we pulled it. We pulled the plug on it and it was at 4.06. Oh my God. <laughs> now, remember he told me 50% won't redeem it. How many people of 406 redeemed it, you ask? 387. Oh my God. <laughs> I did 387 photo shoots in eight months. That's insane. That's like two, three a day. Like it's three a day. It's an eleven thirty, a one o'clock, and a three thirty time. Yep. Oh and I'm driving God. my little Toyota Yaris all around the city, all the way across, up, down, everywhere, sticking all the kilometers on it, and come out the other end. And every day I would get home and I would edit these three shoots because if I didn't edit them today, tomorrow I have six. The next day I have nine. Right. What a grind. Who's editing this? So I come home again, no kids. I'm 21. Like coming back to my house, edit these three shoots, quick bang, boom. And I realized the, the better I shoot, the less editing I have to do. So the quicker it's going to be. So I am known in the city as being like stupidly fast to return images to people. It's kind of a little reputation that follows me around. It comes from this. This was my boot camp. You didn't have a choice. <laughs> didn't have a choice. Yeah. So I completed all of the 387. Cheers to like the 20 people that didn't redeem it. Love them forever. <laughs> and I came out the other end a year after starting this business. So I, I had quit my job, right? You can't do three photo shoots a day with a full-time job. So I quit my job. Groupon sends me a check for 40 grand. That was the amount. That was my cut. So that's what I got in one check. Easy. Like the next day, 40 grand. Cause there's no refunds. 40 grand in my pocket allowed me to quit my job. And then from there, I, it, the Groupon only included 15 images. And that was all you got. So I said, and this was all, none of this touched Groupon's hands. I said, this is going to be the rate for you to get more images. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be 50 bucks for you to like buy the extras. Every single person, except for like five people, bless their souls, bought the full collection. I made another 40 grand on top of it. Nice. So but my first year in business, I was like 80 grand as a photographer. That's, that's really good. But I mean, you're your health like well i was really young and zesty so don't you worry about me i was good uh, yeah but even then like the three shoots a day like i mean you knew you liked photography enough yep. to, to to do this but and like, i knew i hated nine to five so right. well, it, was have, it was you good it was you must have really hated it that's awesome totally but at the end of the year at the end of the year i found myself and this is where you know obviously people who are listening can't replicate that story it's kind of like a you had to be there kind of a moment. But at the end of that year, I had a massive client base and I was able to brand myself as a higher end photographer and say, I'm only going to be interested in weddings and engagements. And I'm going to cut out the rest of it mm -hmm. and just focus on that. And that's really what allowed me to 
make a giant splash, you know, and really have my SEO on lock, like being, you know, high on Google ranked because I took all oh, of yeah. those sessions on. You search your name on Google. It's the first thing to come up. And, and it's not like you, you have a wedding photographer. It'll be there too. Exactly. And it's not like you have the most unique name on the planet. You know what I'm saying? So like, good on you. Kudos. It's amazing. That story. I love it. It's, it's just to me so mind blowing that like you were able to do that without going crazy. But yeah. well, kind I, cri- of- I cried a lot. I think that's important to know. <laughs> a little asterisk. Yeah. Put that Cried there. a lot. Read, a, read some pretty mean comments on a Facebook group for photographers in Ottawa saying like, who's this bitch? Like she's ruining the industry. Mm. Those are now 400 shoots that are not going to come through our pockets. Let's right. never, let's never work with this girl. Nobody collaborate with her. She's like, you know, stealing kids out of my, out of, stealing food out of my kids' mouths, like all of it. You know, it, it was not all sunshine and rainbows, not all good days. But at the end of it, it was a piece of my exit from that nine to five. And it was, it was the way my story went. Everyone's origin story is going to be a little bit unique, you know? Well, that's actually kind of the perfect segue for kind of what I wanted to talk about next, which is collaboration, right? And like something I've noticed like so clear whenever I come across any of your social media or anything is like, you're always with people. Now I know you're like extroverted, but like (laughs) you're always like doing something with someone on some kind of live, doing some kind of course or promotion or this kind of thing. Like you're always hustling and it kind of speaks to, um, in 2020, just like the the power of like collaborating and working with people as opposed to this kind of like zero sum game what you kind of just described there of like taking money out of my pocket so talk to me about like kind of the role of collaboration in your business today yeah so i feel like when i entered into the world of small business ownership which i always like to say small business owner instead of entrepreneur because i think the tone of entrepreneur, I, I want that term to be a little bit changed. I want it to feel different, but the way it always felt to me was, no, that's for people who have real businesses, business plan businesses. And I knew coming in, that was never going to be my speed. Small business owner, I feel the confident of like using that term. But right. when I came in, it was all about secrets. It was, I'm not telling you my strategy. I'm not telling you how many clients I have in a year. My pricing's not on my website. And I was coming in there being like, I'm going to put my price on my website. I'm just going to have it right there, right there in full. Everything you want to know, I'm going to stick it on the website. Let's, let's show it transparently. And I got some flack for, for doing that. I got some people saying to me that that was not good. And I always said, well, that's what I wanted as a consumer. And because I entered the industry at that time, and it was all about keeping secrets, people were so refreshed when I stopped doing that. Or, well, I never really did it, but when I was so <laughs> transparent and so right. open. And that has really continued into what I think business ownership collaboration looks like now, which is people working together, people having mastermind groups where nothing's off limits to talk about. The Rising Tide Society is a place where small business owners who are women in Ottawa can hang out in this Facebook group and um, you know have these monthly meetings and collaboration and get these group trainings and all of it. And I'm, I'm just so big on it because it's what feels good and it's what feels better. And I also did it on my own for so freaking long. Like I did it all on my own without that collaboration piece for so long that now in this business as a coach, I just realized the power of people and joining that mastermind group changed my life. I'm currently in a launch right now with Mallory Rowan 
who we've already given shouts to, and my girl, Gemma Bonham Carter, who is like the queen of online course creation. She is like, you Google online courses, Gemma's name is in the, like <laughs> in that right first search because yeah. Gemma started her online course, was so successful with it, and then showed myself, showed Mallory the way, showed other people through her course, which is called Course Creator School. And she showed us all how to do it. And we just felt so grateful in return. And our live courses ended up being a success because of these practices that we put together. And we're having a full circle moment right now where myself and Mallory and Gemma have come together to create something called the Cash Kit. Now, I'm sure you've probably seen us talking about it on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. We're everywhere. Um, and the cash kit is, it's awesome. It's open right now. It's a chance for you to get access to our three courses for one price. So for that launch, we really took the strategy of our three courses go well together and create this awesome A to Z transformation for a business who knows that they want to add a diverse piece of their income, but they don't know how to do it, right? Someone who's only ever offering one-on-one -on -one services or serving one person at a time, exchanging their time for money. And now they know they want to create a little bit of passive income. They want to have something more diverse. That's a little bit pandemic proof. So our three courses put together, create this amazing product. And if we can put three marketing heads together to launch this thing, I mean, it's just going to be so much more successful than the three of us could have done alone. It's incredible. So yeah. That's what I'm seeing play out like literally right now. The cash gets open right now. It closes Black Friday and it's cool. I love that story so much right there. The whole full circle moment with the cash kit now as well. Like, you know, courses like I benefit from them tremendously. I feel like they cut my learning curve so hard. And in 2020, and like this is now, you know what? I'm going to say it. Like, I hate traditional school. Like, like, and I've, I'm, you know, this is me speaking from hindsight because I made it out the other side. But I just hated having to sit down in, in a classroom, in a lecture environment where someone, you know, who's not even really like fully passionate about teaching, maybe is more of a researcher or something like that, um, you know, teaching me about like business or like, this or that or all these kind of subjects that I'm, I have to follow in this curriculum and that's shifting so much now where it's like you're kind of a little bit more in control of what you want to learn how you want to learn it and this cash kit thing what it tells me is like okay I'll like it's not just reserved for these big, massive institutions to, to put out learning people have specific knowledge and skills that they could teach other people again with infinite leverage and they can go teach like this is so meta like and, and you're like teaching be, people how to teach totally <laughs> and it doesn't have to be that you're creating a 500 course or offer you can use this program to create a 97 dollars piece mm -hmm. of content that yeah. lives on your site creates a place for you to have that has leverage to use with what you want to do from there absolutely and listen Gemma's pulling in close to half a million dollars this year. She's doing it with under 10,000 followers. That's under 10. Gemma can't swipe up and she's in like millionaire <laughs> status. Like let's not, let's not get this twisted mm -hmm. that something magical has to be unlocked for you right. to find this type of financial gain in your business. When I hit 2020 and I said these famous last words in March, that was like, listen, I can do this. As long as none of my weddings get canceled, I'm good. Well, friend. <laughs> 60 to about, about 60 to $70,000 in income was taken out of my 2020 as a person in the events industry. Mm -hmm. I recouped 
100% of that income by starting an online course this year and launching it twice. I recouped 100% of the income that the pandemic said, hey, not for you. And yeah. I went, try me. That just speaks again to your self-awareness, your ability to pivot and your ability to kind of almost take a step back and see it, this all for what it is. And yeah. I, that's why I think I, I get along. I, I think I could say this, but I think I get along very well with you. And I, I really like your vibe and your energy because for me, when this pandemic struck, um, you know, I had to kind of like, I had just launched a business that is very much showing up and doing videography and, and, you know, showing up and like meeting with clients and actually physically having to be there and like, understand what exactly they need, what they want to shoot, whether it's a podcast or this or like whatever. Right. And, and so I, I had to pivot too. It's like, yo, okay, well, so what can I do still do online? What, you know, maybe now my strategy is going to be a little bit more removing myself from it and still sending people out to shoots in like a safe way or like, you know, however it transpired. But to me, what blows my mind about this is that people who have these amazing skills and like whether it be copywriting or SEO or websites or like whatever it is, whatever you're good at, you can sell a course for it. And without a massive, like you don't need millions of followers and all this stuff. Like, like you but just what said, you do need to do. And it's a piece of what you just said is listen to your audience. Mm -hmm. It's non-negotiable. You ask what my non-negotiables are? It's listening to my audience to see what they want from me. And the course that I've created, my piece of the three courses in Cash Kit is called Spit It Out, Efficient Writing That Sells. And I used the stuff that I knew, which was how to write for my business in a way that took me no time. I can whip up social captions that are engaging, interesting, help people get connected with me on a vulnerable level. I can write that quick. I'm the kind of person who can open up a birthday card, put pen to paper, and the whole thing comes out. And that method that I used, I taught and spit it out. And I, I was able to create the outline for that course by listening to what my one-on-one -on -one clients were asking me. I had access to people's minds and their questions. And I could say, I can listen to your questions and I'll create something for you that's going to be the answer. So you already have it. Like That's exactly the attitude that you need to have is I know that I can monetize my expertise and all I need to do is listen to what people are asking from me. Right. And so how do you do that? What's market research look like um, for you on kind of a high level? Are, are you doing polls? Are you sending out surveys? What are you doing? How are you really listening and connecting with that audience? Yeah, so it, it kind of depends what I'm launching. But for Spit It Out, I really leaned into what my one-on-one -on -one clients were asking me. And I wrote down their questions and I wrote down the things that I was teaching to them. And I started to look at when I pull it together, what questions come up? And if if I have someone who goes into this course and says, oh, I feel really behind. I don't even know how to post something to my Instagram stories. Those people are still out there, by the way. They still exist. I know you have a young audience, but there are still people who don't know how. We had a question the other day in a live training, and the question was, what is the difference between feed and stories? Right. And we're like, oh, okay. So we need to zoom out for this question, you know? And you can't be afraid to do that. You can't be afraid to like, Really make sure that you're bringing people up to speed quick. So I outlined my course to do that. Now for coaching, I need to be listening to what people's comments are to the podcast episodes I release. If I release an episode about time management and I get a ton of feedback that says, wow, I really struggle with time management. And I love that episode that you put out. That's feedback. 
that I can say, I know I can teach time management. I know I can teach productivity. If that's going to be something that's going to be in my one-on-one -on -one programs, let's make sure it's in the sales page. Now, you ever want to see examples of, copy, of powerful copywriting? Look at some sales pages of people who are doing pretty well. Because the no, words I'm on gonna, there I'm matter. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you. Here's, here's what you need to do if you want to see some powerful copy. You need to go to laurakelly.co. Because yeah, you your website is so amazing. You know what? I might just do something that I haven't ever done on the podcast before. <laughs> might just, <laughs> no, I might just share my screen. If anyone's watching this on YouTube, I'll just go and hold up. Let's see. You know what's powerful copy too? So I have a, a, a page built out for just a coaching program. Right. If you read that coaching program site, you're either going to go, that's me or that's not me. And that polarization, that's what we want, right? We want that person to be, to be feeling like, you get me and I'm in your shoes or we want that person to say, okay, that's not the right coach for me. That's not what I'm looking for. Exactly. All right. Can you see this? Yes. I can. Okay. Your website is one of the most beautiful websites I've ever seen. Thank you. And just, just if you're watching this and sorry for those listening, but you know, go subscribe <laughs> to my YouTube, um, check this out. Like, it's just amazing. Like I really wanted to be, a real housewives villain, but I found out I was a better business coach. Hilarious. Actually made me laugh. You might, you might know me as like, like the font here is so handpicked and the copy is just so captivating. I love it. Or the girl that accidentally sold 406 photo shoots on Groupon and lived yep. the tale. That's yep. you. Another amazing yep. photo. Great story. I read this whole thing. I love it. And it was what we were talking about earlier in the episode, which is kind of <laughs> like, you know, what, what do I want to do? And then pivoting. And then how can I help? What a like, what a clean way to just be like, Hey, like, how can I help you? I do a lot of things. I have more than one offer. I do yeah. a lot. Come check it out. And like, again, like I said, I, I never really do the sharing screen thing, but I had to because it's just so clean. I love the copy. You are going to love. Okay. So the, the sales page. So because we had three coaches collaborating to do cash kit yeah. and three courses. So Gemma's is course creator school, all mm -hmm. about creating your course. Mine spit it out efficient writing that sells and Mal's sell on social. So when it came time for us to map out the cash kit, we kind of looked around at each other and said, okay, so Gemma, you're going to create it like the, the bundle. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write it. And Mal's going to show us how to sell it on, on Instagram. On and we were perfect. <laughs> we were like, perfect. The, the cash kit is create it, write it, sell it. And everyone's going to do their part. So I wrote the sales page. So if you go to cashkit.laurakelly.co, mm -hmm. that's the sales page for the cash kit. Boom. And if I may say so myself, that shit is fire. Yeah. And it's fire because we listened to who our audience was. We mm -hmm. took the things that they wanted to learn. We tapped into questions about what are they feeling? What do they want? What are they afraid of? What is, you know, what are all those things that make them trepidatious? For example, I've bought a million courses and I've never opened them. Okay. Well, Let's, how do we fix that? How do we create some sort of a program here that recognizes that we don't want you to spend that dollar on cash kit if you're not going to open it. So we need you to be really sure that this is the path that you're going to take. Yeah. Uh, and I think also the fact that, you know, it's kind of limited in time where you can go get it as well is 
a great incentive for people to go check it out and know like, Hey, if you've been on the fence, if you've been consuming any of your three content and like, mm-hmm. Oh, I like this, but like, I don't know. Like now you're kind of getting this three for one. I don't know. I, I could just sit here and talk about that forever, but let's kind of move on. I really do love what you've been able to do um, with harmonizing all the different things that you do. And it's something that um, I, you know, I, we've kind of lightly touched on this and it's something that I've struggled with personally with my podcast and my brand, whatever you like, I feel weird calling it my brand, but it is, uh, um, no, you can wear that badge with honor. Okay? Yeah. yeah. 100%. But, it's your brand. but just like kind of making it all make sense the way you have, um, that didn't happen overnight. I completely appreciate that. But, you know, to me, something that I struggle with is you have so many different kind of people that you're targeting for kind of different things, but you have one social media profile. Well, obviously you have many on different mediums, but yeah, like I and have that's one that centered. is just for portfolio for weddings. So like right. that I have, because that's how brides want to consume content, right? They want to see like, give me all the wedding stuff. So I yeah. think it's important that one is separate, but for everything else, you're right. It is under one umbrella. Yeah. And so with that, it's just like, you still are able to create content that's very much centered around you. And it's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, I do these things. And I know Mal does a very good job explaining how to sell on social and do that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But you know, if there would be one tip for someone who maybe already has started their own YouTube channel or podcast or, you know, some kind of creative endeavor, uh, you know, where they're putting themselves out there, how do they wrap their head around all these different things that everyone's telling them to do, whether it be start your TikTok or build your email list or, you know, like get subscribers and the views and followers and likes, all this madness. How do you kind of like calm that down and harmonize it and make that kind of make sense? Kind of yeah. like high level speaking. Yeah. Totally. So I think first, it's really important to recognize that people are multifaceted. Not everybody needs to fit into one thing, one niche, one thing that they're able to talk about, one topic that they feel like they can share. We're used to people being multifaceted. Even with someone like Gary Vee, you don't know whether this kid's going to drop some shoe, some wine, where he's talking about garage sale stuff. He's meeting celebrities. He's talking to like young TikTok. Like we don't know, but He's multifaceted and he's presenting his multifaceted business online. And so part of it is like, people are okay with your multifacetedness. People are okay that I'll share random things about my kids and family plus stuff about home decor. Cause if I'm doing a kitchen rental, you're going to see it. Plus I'm going to share about the latest person who was on my podcast. I'm going to be talking about a course I'm launching. People are used to multifaceted human beings at this point. So don't lean away from that, lean into it. I know that that might be yep. a little bit controversial because you hear a lot of people saying, find your niche, find your niche. Hey, yeah. if that works for you, amazing. Yeah. But I just feel a little bit free. That would make me, again, it comes back, 
I would hate being boxed into one niche and one word. That's so, the thing that scared the shit out of me, Laura. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't like, don't try to see. Like when I started my podcast, like everyone who, you know, well-meaning, of course, was like, oh, you got to like really, about? yeah, you got to have one ideal person that you're talking to. And you should have, I do have like an ideal kind of persona and listener profile of someone who's listening to this podcast. We've even talked about it before, mm-hmm. but that's a fluid thing. It's not just like this is I, I haven't gotten to the point and maybe I never will because I kind of don't want to of just like I am so zeroed in on talking about this one thing and to one type of person and I am only like one like dimension i like to talk about so much shit yeah i'm I'm leaning to that but i also think to answer your question about how do you handle just the amount of information that comes at you saying you have to be doing reels you have to have a youtube channel you have to have a podcast you have to do email marketing i think that it starts from you figuring out what success looks like in your business and i i almost hated saying that because it does sound very neat um what is the word for that Like it sounds very boring to say like, define your success. But I actually think that if you figure out what you're trying to do, and in my case, what I'm trying to do is never have to update my resume again for the rest of my life. I'm trying to make sure that I can pick up my kids at school from 3.30, but that I also can have the impact that I want to on people. So if social media feels like a great tool for me to do that, amazing. And if the offer that I want to sell is sold to somebody who uses Instagram, which my demographic does, then amazing. I'm going to be there and be ready to show up for them. If the person that I want to work with wants to stick me in their headphones, I want to make sure I have something for them. But you can't do it all, right? You can't do absolutely everything that somebody says that you have to do. And so pick the things that feel good to you and layer on as you go. And most important of all, feel free to let something go Mm -hmm. if it stops serving you. So I don't care if you said that on Tuesdays you go live on Instagram and talk about tip Tuesday stuff. The minute that stops being fun for you, it's as simple as people always ask me, like my, my coaching clients will always ask me, but my clients, like they, they expect me to come on live on Tuesdays, right? That's when they know that I'm coming. And I go, they don't care. Mm. Say Tuesday tip is no longer. Now we're doing five things on Friday and like, okay, perfect. It took two seconds and we can get people back up to speed. We're carrying around too much ego pressure. We're carrying around that sense of like, everything has to be perfect and in a nice bow. It doesn't, sorry, it doesn't. Oh, hundred percent. I have learned that in such a like profound way, just by my own ego thinking that people actually are paying attention and, and giving a shit. They, they don't, man. They, they might like, you know show some love or like whatever love y'all who are listening i'm not talking shit but no one cares literally Mm -hmm. nobody gives a shit my own Mm -hmm. mom would not care if i changed my instagram handle tomorrow if you stop posting one quote and then one photo and then one quote and one photo no one cares no No, one sees it it just doesn't matter (laughs) no one gives a shit i love that it's so freeing actually and it's something that's so important is just do what feels right it sounds so simple but what does success look like for you and something that you know you mentioned earlier in the podcast it's so fire i can't wait to chop that up into a little clip i'm already (laughs) i'm already like pumped but it's it's just you know kind of building a business that or building like 
building a business that fits your lifestyle and yeah. not a lifestyle that fits into your business, right? And you got so clear on those three things that like really mattered to you. You wanted to be location independent. You yeah. know, you didn't want to give up your Saturdays. Um, and, and you wanted your voice, right? I think that yeah. was the third thing. I needed you needed to have my voice in it. Because again, like I, that piece of my personality started showing up when I was little. Like my, I've never, ever been afraid to be on a stage, hold a mic, stand in front of my classmates when I was little. And I mean, the stuff that shows up when you're young, the closer that you can get to getting clear on that and seeing it for what it was and saying like, I would literally die if you told me I had to be quiet for the rest of my life. I just, that would kill me. Yeah. And so <laughs> I have to lean into that with everything that's possible. And if that's releasing two podcast episodes a week, like sign me up. Mm -hmm. If that's standing on stages and bringing other people that energy, at some point you just start to recognize what your superpower is. Right. Mine is I was born with extra cheerleader. <laughs> I was literally born with extra rah, rah, extra pep in my step, extra. Yeah. You're awesome. I'm awesome. We're awesome. I was yeah. born with extra of that. So I have stuff to give. And that's why full circle moment. That's why people left coffee with me and said, I feel fired up because I had extra and I gave it. And that's what makes me so happy. And so if I can yep. run a business that's based on that, that's what my one-on-one -on -one coaching program is. Mm -hmm. I have extra. You want some? Yeah. Let's work together. And it's Love not that. me fixing my client's business. It's not me telling them what to do. It's me helping them to unlock within them what's already there. Absolutely. No, that's incredible. And I think the bigger thing there, if we want to distill that down, is that you didn't just wake up and get to there you nope. tasted a lot you tasted a lot of things a lot of you know just like we can't sit here and go through every single trial and tribulation you've been through but you you've been through a lot since that 21 year old put up an ad on groupon so yeah. you know i i do think that another thing that you know to those listening to this podcast today don't put so much pressure on yourself that you got to figure it all out today. That's something that I tell myself all the time is like, just be 1% better every day. And that's, yeah. that's all I could do. I could just keep tasting things and trying things and letting it sit with me. How does that feel? Like, and this is so and, weird. And people, like, people get restless there, right? Yeah. People get, people forget about the waiting part. They go, yeah. I'm going to try and test, but then I'm going to find the answer next week. Right. No. Let's not forget. <laughs> I podcasted for one year before I monetized anything mm -hmm. from that business. I paid right. to have the permission in terms of monthly hosting, we know what it looks like. <laughs> I paid that money for one year, not yep. asking for anything back, never choosing to go with sponsors, never choosing to have ads because I knew that what I was building was a place for me to ultimately have my own leverage, which means that today, if I feel like it, I can go on my podcast and I can record something that's an advertisement or promotion for something that I have available and mm -hmm. that it's a hundred percent owned by me, that space. So I put in a year <laughs> and we forget, you've got young listeners, but we forget the power of a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that patience that I had for one year to say, I'm not going to ask for a dime is what made it so that when I had an opportunity, when I had an offer available to say, I'm going to be a business coach yeah. who wants to work with me. I'm going to do workshops. Who wants to buy a ticket? I'm going to yeah. do a course. Who wants a spot? That audience was there because of what I fed them for a year. Yeah. And it took you 10 years to be an overnight success. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it, Laura. We've gone for almost like over an hour yeah. and a half. Like this is wild. Like this is crazy. The time just flew by on this podcast. I'm convinced that you and I are the same person. Uh, yeah. that, that's what I've learned after this uh, episode. <laughs> uh, this has been incredible. I can't wait to have you on for part two. I wish you um, so much um, luck and success with this launch. And I'm going to get this podcast out ASAP so that people can, yeah, <laughs> can, can find out about it and, and learn from it and follow you. Um, before I let you go, I do something called a lightning round. So, so basic, but it's just an easier way for me to end the podcast than being like, all right. Yeah peace (laughs) and so just three questions uh don't worry about answering it right away but just yeah so the first one is and and this is kind of one i've never done before but someone suggested i do this and i like the idea and it's who is one guest that you think i should absolutely have on my podcast someone someone you know that is like you know perfect for this You've never had Becca Cordes from the Happy Ever Crafter on your podcast? No. Okay. Becca's Ooh. running launches and I've, I've never, I've never seen anybody run a business the way Becca runs hers. Becca Ooh. Cordes, boom. All right. Love it. I'm going to reach out. Um, and what is your, I, and you already kind of answered this before, but I, I, I love this question is like, what's your favorite guilty pleasure, whether it be like reality TV, cupcakes, like whatever. Uh, well, I like both of those things. Somebody <laughs> once told me that I, some, my favorite, it's like, I, I've, I would get this tattooed on my body, but somebody once told me that I, I look like the kind of person who likes every kind of donut. And I just feel like really connected to that sentiment. <laughs> But my guilty pleasure is definitely The Real Housewives. And like, I get a bad rap, but like I am, I'm an OG. I've seen every franchise, every Uh, episode. I've done the full franchises multiple, multiple times. So 100%. There's a lot of them too, aren't there? Isn't there like New York? Like, isn't there the Uh, the basketball? There's easily like 17 franchises, I just need to tell you. And then some of them have like 14 (laughs) seasons, so... Yes, I loved it. I love it. I love it. Um, last and final question is, how do you want to be remembered? It's so funny because I super don't care. <laughs> That's the answer then. That's it. I, I, no, like, let's not try to I make up something profound. I, I, I literally, I just want to have a good time while I'm here. I don't care. Legacy yeah. is not, it's yeah. not a, it's not a currency in my life. Laura, I love that because you just completely embodied it's not that deep. Yeah. And you embodied this podcast. You might not like it. It's not that deep. (laughs) You might not like it. It's not that deep. The greatest collab ever. Yeah. Actually, the second greatest one because the first greatest cash one is kit. the cash kit. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you on social? I, we already kind of shouted out your website, but say it again and cash yeah. kit everything. So you can find me on Instagram at laurakelly.co and that's my URL as well, laurakelly.co. Uh, if you want to learn more about the one-on-one coaching program working together, I'd recommend kind of getting a taste of the podcast, which is called You Might Not Like It, but you can find it on my website as well. Uh, listen to those episodes. I want to make sure you work with a coach that feels like a good personality type for you. If I seem like that kind of person and it seems like we're about the same thing, then please reach out to me. Um, yeah. And then the cash kit is open right now. It closes Black Friday. So the doors are closing so soon you can find it at cashkit.laurakelly.co and that's me i can't wait for you to slide in my dms all the same way that you packed it so <laughs> i love it um 
you might not like it, but you might like it. I love I it. Probably will. You probably will like it. Thank you so much for coming on the It's Not That Deep podcast. To everyone listening,、uh, I really appreciate you. Love you all, and just remember, it's not that deep. Thanks, Laura. <laughs> <laughs>